Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Sue Rose Minahan, founder of Talk Cosmos, Leading Edge Conversations, Awakening the Authentic Self to Empower Soul Growth. And today is December 4th, the 4th of December, 2022. And it is the panel for Planet Buzz, and we have a wonderful guest joining, Dr. Tad and myself, and that will be Mark Jones from the UK. And tonight's subject, or today's subject, wherever you are located there, and thank you for checking in and listening with us, is Jupiter Thrives. Because Jupiter, that archetype of expansion challenged by excess, always a flip side of everything, but yet the energies revel in hope, potential, and the message is starting new opportunities for success. So what blocks it? Well, it might be our awareness, but we'll find those things out because now we're ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, the founder of Talk Cosmos, an electric evolutionary astrologer, consultant, certified color energy life coach, vice president of the Washington State Astrological Association, member of Kepler Astrology Toastmaster Club, of a Dwarf Planet University diploma and AA with music degree. I love mythology, philosophizing, collaboration. I'm an artist, writer, a perpetual student of life. And I'm Dr. Laura Tutt. I work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with students and clients around the world. As a counselor, writer, and educator, I love helping people recognize their inner strength, take advantage of auspicious moments, and navigate times of challenge with greater ease. On my own podcast, Mythic Sky Storytime, I discuss astrology, mythology, and actualizing our full potential. Holding a PhD in human science, my doctoral thesis titled Guided by Celestial Light in a World of Artificial Illumination explores the lived experience of contemporary Western astrologers. In addition to my astrological work, I have a course in personal mythology that explores the stories we carry from our ancestors and the impact those narratives have on our lives. And as the ancient hermetic code reveals, as below, so above, as above, so below. And I am delighted to introduce Mark Jones from the UK here for us. And Mark Jones is an astrologer, psychophysicist, therapist, and hypnotherapist. Mark's based in South Wales, works with clients and students all over the world, a regular speaker and workshop leader in North America, and is the author of three wonderful books, Healing the Soul, Pluto, Uranus, and the Lunar Nodes. In the second book, The Soul Speaks, the therapeutic power of astrology. 
And that explores the transformative power of the natal chart reading. And then the last book, the third one in 2020, which has been long awaited by many, many astrologers and really of merit is a planetary note. Well, they all are the planetary nodes and collective evolution. And you can always reach Mark at markjonesastrology.com or his email, his name, Mark at markjonesastrology.com. So thank you very much, Mark. We are together, the three musketeers, I suppose, <laughs> to forage our journey through Jupiter. And to begin with, we know that for our audience that Jupiter ingressed last May into Aries for a sprint into eight degrees and then turned retrograde uh, to go into Pisces and it but it, it returned to that zero degree Aries point, October 28th. And now coming up, it again will be just before the winter solstice, which is so profound, I think, thinking of the light returning shortly after that. And the cardinal energies, we know that car the cardinal signs, which involve Aries and Capricorn, which the sun will be in, are world points all because they well i'm getting distracted here with the astronomy which i'm not great at explaining so the point is it it all connects to all of us these are opportunities so with that said i wonder how we should begin maybe people want to speak about jupiter what is jupiter to you i mean if i may isn't and thanks for having me. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. I mean, isn't Jupiter on one level? I'm sure I'm not alone here. Why we got into astrology, that we were looking to have this symbolic expression of our faith and vision and our sense of the soul's yearning for meaning, which is symbolized so beautifully by the, the beauty of the night sky. You know, it's shocking, isn't it? When we grow up in cities, we forget what it's like to be in the deserts of Arizona or I was in the Sinai Desert once in the Garden of Elias and uh, for a night camping out, just how close the Milky Way is, how many shooting stars you see, this sense of the radiance of the cosmos and it not feeling so far away, um, it, it being so bright and formed in the night sky. And I think many of us, certainly myself, we turn to astrology wanting some form of um, symbolic expression of our soul's journey or our life path you know and what's so beautiful about Jupiter is that's what it's all about isn't it the vision the faith the sense of you know that big picture sense of why we're here and how we deal with the frailties of human life um, the fragility of the body existentially being born to die <laughs> you know the great things that Every human has to face, even in a good life, you have to face those things, never mind the tragedy that can befall one. And in that sense, what's it all for? You know, what is the value and preciousness of the human life that I feel so strongly is valuable and precious and meaningful? And, you know, can astrology be something that helps us guide us, you know, be that sort of guiding star? And it's funny we do this, but, you know, Jupiter's been sat like this luminescent O-ring light in the sky above the tree at the back of my house these last <laughs> few weeks before this conversation, you know. 
in a sense, astrology is literally the guiding star. And on another sense, it is this sense of subtle orientation, you know, that we become astrologers because we're interested in the symbolism of unfolding our true potential. Who am I really? What am I meant to be doing? What is my life path? And I think that's why I love Jupiter, because it's all about the vision of the life path. Oh, I love this exactly because it is visible here outside my lanai. It's the one bright night picture. But yes. the vision, I think this idea of the vision that we can personalize it and then have a, 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 a path that, that responds to us, that we learn how to be human, really, it has from how you were speaking, I just thought of what meaningfulness really means because it changes as to what one wants to seek for that meaning, but yet it really drives down to a vision that propels, that gives the bait, that gives the the anticipation or the expectation of waking up and sit to the sunrise and saying goodnight with the sunset. Yeah, well, and I think, too, it's interesting to think about, right, it's the first of the the social planets. And so Jupiter having this in-between where it we have this personal relationship with it, right, this drive or our connection with, with spirituality or with astrology, like you were talking about, Mark, and yet it's also our connection with the larger, with it being the social planet, with a collective yeah. simultaneously. Um, and it sort of holds this bridge between those two parts of human existence of self and community or group or society. Um, and that well, you could of- you could argue, couldn't you, Laura, that the first social act was all those people seeing that night sky together and going, hey, what do yes. you think this means? You know, and, and the various hinges and the various stone circles aligned to some solstice star point or sun point um and then it is social in a sense isn't it to participate under a sky together under a communal sky to see the same moon to see the same Mm -hmm. jupiter whether you're in hawaii or atlanta or south wales is something that unites us in a subtle way doesn't it it provides a, a sort of subtle unique collective and then the thing that I think so fascinates me with Jupiter as a bridge is that you feel the sense of communion with those stars or with that greater life, but also you could argue that greater life is reaching out to you, you know, to literally touch you or, and um, to inspire you or almost gently entreat you to carry on walking your path, you know, come this way. And, um, we weave that, don't we? That that's what religious stories or myths become, don't they? They become kind of woven tapestries of those more private illuminations or communal illuminations, where people try to make sense of them as ongoing stories to inspire others. Yeah. Yes. Of, of exp- you know, yeah, all those all the myths, right? They're all explaining mundane events using allegory, using metaphors mm. that then can be tethered, carried through time. Right. And because it holds true as archetype, whether it's antiquity or today. Now, the centaur itself signifies this union between the humanity of mankind and the 
natural instinctive beasts as it's called of the horse of course the horse itself is a very symbolic creature you know throughout um well it would be cultures. horses power and animal power human part bow but also where the arrows pointed the yes. arc of the arrow and where it's pointed the star it's pointed at but um say a Persephone myth or something like that. And I know it's not a Jupiter myth per se, but say it's explaining, you know, the winter months, which we're in here, you know, taken down to the underworld and that's why she's not up. And that's why the sun's not shining and the plants aren't growing. But it's also more than just the explanation of the seasons, isn't it? It's an explanation for human suffering and being dragged into the depths and the restorative power of re realizing there might be a meaning to being in the depths <laughs> and going from the, abducted one to the queen of the underworld as it were so it, it myths do explain these as it were actual events but they also do so in a way that uh, naturally ensouls the sense of um, the meaning of them and i think that's the point i because i think if i may be so jupiterian and bold to say this the meaning of life is not some answer it's not some reducible principle it's not the number 42 from the hitchhiker's guide or something it is the meaning of life is self-evident when you're deeply living it when you're deeply loving when you're deeply absorbed when you're in some awesome sunset or when you're seeing that starry empyrean in the desert you're not sat there going oh what's the meaning of life what ought i to be doing no no you're, it, it you're is. just in it it, it yeah. is yeah yeah, there is that is. piece of that being present, right? And and I wonder if some of that, like with Jupiter ingressing, going back into Aries, and that being the at least in our world, like the beginning of the Aries, the beginning of the zodiac, right? So this being that sort of as present as you can get, the beginning of the beginning, um, and really this ex expansion of the begin of that presence it's a great time right now isn't it to start some new seed of some new 12-year project that's what you're making me feel i'm sort of feeling excited about that myself i've even got the thing yeah. in mind <laughs> it's like it's it's a new 12-year cycle isn't it literally yes. starting on the aries point culminating the old 29 yes. degrees 28 29 pisces and now starting the new vision quest basically yeah. new 12-year vision quest yeah Nathan, can we have the slides, please? Okay. We, it is indeed because that spark, that spark, and here we are with the panelists, and this slide for those that are YouTube can check on that later. It happened initially last in May. So coming up in December 20th, not far from now, just before the solstice, we're going to have that, as we all know with for astrology-wise, the third time we're on a path, but this time that entry is going to be full fledged until mm, um, May. I think it's in May. I have it down where it uh, leaves Aries. But yes, we are. We can take the in because Mars right now that is ruling Aries is retrograde, and it's that opportunity to kind of retrace our dreams. I've got. How about you guys? I've got, we, we, maybe we could speak of 
some of our dreams. I know, Laura, you often. Oh, and I wanted to mention, too, I have all these slides, and I'm not going to go through and bother people about the details. But the fact is, the energies are out of bounds, and that means they're not limited to the guiding principle of the sun's, the, the the dogma, you might say. They, they're pure on their own archetypal uh, energy. So communicating, Mercury, who's our Hermes, who's the messenger of Jupiter, and Venus, who is what we're attracted to and for desires, and, and Mars, too, our action igniter, are all going to be stepping to their own tune. It's going to be quite interesting. I mean, that's also a challenge too, isn't it, Sue, just to be sort of sober for a moment in, in the sense that we can say that dogma is clearly narrow or restrictive, but also having a tradition is potentially meaningful. And I think a number of people that are quite open-minded or are searching for something in the modern world also feel a bit lost about what the orientation of a bigger vision might be. It's as if we're transitioning from an era where certain religious structures are changing. Certainly here in the UK, there was an article on the BBC website two days ago that uh, a current census shows that for the first time in centuries or in, in its history, the UK is less than 50% Christian. And mm. you have this sense that like traditional religions are not reaching people in a very direct way in these times when they feel quite discombobulated, quite out of bounds. You know, an out of bounds feeling isn't necessarily an easy feeling, is it? you know, to feel that you don't have those ties to people, those communities. And of course, the word religion itself, religare, means to tie together or bind. When you're out of the bindings, it can be uh, shocking and anxiety inducing just as much as it might be liberating. And sometimes to my hope and my wish is that astrology itself, for some people, for those people like us, those <coughs> oddballs like us that are attracted to it, might itself become a visionary, inspiring, mm. symbolic system to help guide people. Because, you know, the soul's journey is profound, whatever the religious tradition or lack of religious tradition you come from. It's just that without a religious tradition, the danger is that the soul's journey will become materialized or overlooked. And um, to some extent, people won't have that direct sense of being able to access it. And I know just myself just how liberating it is to find in your life that you've discovered a soulful sense of meaning and, and a path. It's so profound, isn't it? It's just it so beautiful. Is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And to connect with what works for your own soul. Because within ourselves, I know since a child I had interests and ways, but the world isn't always uh, ev evident as to how to participate with that interest, such as astrology perhaps. But yet astrology, however a person uses it, has that gift of the symbolism that I'm hearing echoes out to me because life isn't just linear. It's not a, a pathway that is an instruction book where you take your first breath and then you learn how to cry and then you learn how to talk or something. It's it's a whole pathway of inputs that you need to put together like the poetry or the story yes. of your life. Yes. Yeah. Which is why I see the natal chart as more like a poem than some sort of car instruction manual. It's not an analysis of your transmission or what oil, you know, 
your car requires the best performance. Some people see the chart like that, but I see it more as the living poet poem, the sonnet mm -hmm. of your soul, you know, the, oh, yeah. That's nice. Well, I don't know if we need to go through, we have a bunch of these and this happens to be the one on the 20th, but in our conversation, we might say we were for those folks, this is from Greenwich, which is the world where the time begins and you can appropriate different, your own timing. And that happens to be at 2.32 in the evening in Greenwich. So it's going to be wherever it is for you. But here it is, um, Aries, is interestingly at a powerful, well, the nodes are interesting. I think, Mark, you've spent a great deal about nodes in depth to understand. Having the north node in Cancer, 13 degrees Cancer, I'm seeing it is in, it's directly opposing Venus in Capricorn still with Chiron. So it seems like it's a healing, a sense of evaluating our, our, our wound, our, how to make our miseries work for us, <laughs> how to get past that, make meaning. Well, I mean, right. I mean, let's hope there's part of that genuine reboot and restart, given the, the context of the last three years or something and the struggles collectively, but also there is a sobering sense, isn't there? How, aside from one's individual communion, aside from one's love of nature of other people, it's not a particularly easy time in the world, is it, to develop a clear vision of faith? You know, in a sense, there's a lot going on that has caused anxiety for people and struggle from the pandemic to various conflicts. I think you, you can't, for me, for it to be embodied, your vision path, your soul's evolution can't avoid the suffering of the world. It can't avoid the woundedness. Otherwise, it will become a compensatory fantasy. It will become a compensatory mm -hmm. idealism. It will be this pretty little, you know, Disney castle in the sky that you build to protect yourself from the horrors of the winter, of warfare, of pandemic, of suffering, of political polarization and culture wars or whatever. So in that sense, Jupiter and Aries speaks also of a certain robustness, doesn't it? How are we prepared to live by... Are we prepared to act as warriors, you know, spiritual warriors, perhaps, of our true vision or belief without that becoming needless, excessive conflict? You're warning right at the beginning about the grandiose, overexpansive capacity of Jupiter towards excess. Because as I was sharing before we came on air, you know, if you look back through history at Jupiter and Aries, there are a number of sobering things, you know from the first Boer War to the start of the Second World War to JFK's assassination to the dissolution of the monasteries. There's a lot of big, you know, assertive, aggressive acts have occurred in history, uh, you know, and, and the, the greatest war that hum humanity's ever known have started under that kind of auspice. Um, whereas I think on an individual level, it's much more like, can we learn to assert our own integrity and truth without needless conflict um yeah thank you and, that and, me, oh, go and ahead, along Laura, with that need to stand by our convictions or act on our convictions right the standing might be more when it gets into taurus but the action um of that you know with all the politics that have been going on in this country about civil rights disappearing or being codified and the need 
to be standing, acting on our convictions of, around those sort of things and not um, staying quiet or in that Piscean, like, I'm just going to observe it all, but needing to act on it. Um, well, and this is why you get so so much excess, don't you, by these historical examples, because it seems to me a Jupiterian ideal would be it's one thing to stand in truth, right, and not be afraid of standing in truth. It's another thing to constantly attack other people or make everyone else around mm -hmm. you wrong. Um, and they're two very different things. And I would argue the second is more of a projective stance. Um, Jupiter in Aries, for me, in an ideal form, would be about the acceptance of just how much dedication the self will put in to the vision and serve mm. the vision. But that's very challenging because that's very hard to hold because you only have to have a momentary flash of something else or momentarily perceive someone else with a different, different, different political or cultural orientation as the enemy, and it's all suddenly a flash, isn't it? And that's the danger with Jupiter in Aries, clearly, you know. And, you know, there are a number of collective situations where we could say things are very tenuous. You know, it's not like, you know, certain parts of the world are quite close to the escalation of conflicts onto a world stage. It's a very sobering collective situation. But I think a rather inspiring individual um, promise, in a sense. It's certainly a great time, isn't it, to, to move out of an acceptance, even perhaps a stuck acceptance of late Jupiter in Pisces towards volition again in your own pursuit of um, your truth. It reminds me, looking at the north node of Jupiter, which, because it's in Cancer, the family of man. I remember Margaret Mead has that great book many years ago, the archaeologist, anthropologist, rather. But 13 degrees Cancer is really, if we can realize the commonality and that shared need to supply each other and tolerance, I mean, all of this chart could potentially speak on those terms, you know, to, to bridge, well, as you say. That, that node in Cancer, I mean, Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter, these are planetary nodes, and they're, they're less well-known, but all planets apart, you know, everything other than the sun makes a node because it crosses the ecliptic. And Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter, south node Capricorn, north node Cancer for many, many centuries. In fact, really... In the time of Christ, that was Neptune's nodes, south node Capricorn, north node Cancer. But Neptune shifted in the 11th, 12th century to north node Leo, south node Aquarius. And in fact, in 20, the 20th century uh, and the early 21st century, Pluto moved to where the nodes of Neptune were at the time of Christ. In fact, in that great alignment in very early, in late 2019, early 2020, that seemed to correspond with the pandemic and the pandemic response. Um, Pluto and Saturn came to their own south nodes and then Jupiter joined them. So Jupiter returned to its own nodal axis with them. And those nodal axis roughly corresponded to where no Neptune's nodal axis was at the time of Christ. So in the planetary node book, I ruminated, you know, the spiritual impulse of mankind in the West, Christianity at the time of Christ. And now we've reached the Pluto point of it, where we're excoriating it, where we're digging through it, where we're almost throwing it away or, you know, what was initially the spiritual impulse that guided Western civilization has become something completely different. And we're in a sort of shock about that, um, a shock that Nietzsche pointed to in the late 19th century with the whole idea of the death of God. You know, we haven't really got over that. We haven't really got over that as a collective. And 
you could say that certain individuals like Carl Jung were attempting to make their way through that collective fragmentation and find this more secure psychic path to wholeness that he called individuation. And I increasingly feel that he was a towering psychic genius and creative genius that was helping people do that very thing. And I think astrology can very much also serve people to do that as he himself became aware, you know? Yes. I was trying to get your books. Nathan, can you yeah. show the books there, please? I'm just lost with these too much shenanigans. I can't get. Oh, oh that, was, that it. was just it. Oh, you had it. If you could. Yeah, there thank it is. You. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Mark so that Paul. first that those, that first book looks at the natal chart and how you could use Pluto and Uranus or outer planets to condition the the nodal axis of the moon, the outer planet symbolizing as it were the transpersonal domain and the nodes of the moon symbolizing your personal evolution. I paused that then to write about therapy and the soul speaks therapy and astrology because of course I was doing so many readings and I was just discovering this was powerful material and there was a lot that you had to think about about how you shared that with people in a way that was inspirational and not detrimental, which I'm not always sure is focused on enough in the astrological world, you know, how we put this across to people in a, in a one-to-one or other setting. And then the planetary nodes, you know, ever since I've written Healing the Soul, there was supposed to be a last chapter on the planetary nodes, but it was just too big. It was just too, it was just out of control. Mm -hmm. So I was working with a researcher for the planetary node and we looked at these charts through history. I mean, that's why I knew you know that's why we we're easily able to look at other jupiter and Aries periods in history because we created all these hundreds of charts starting with the roman empire all the way up to the contemporary world so that we could analyze these planetary nodes so that we wouldn't just burden astrology with more cumbersome information without mm -hmm. checking out as really solid meaningfulness you know? <laughs> exactly. right exactly yeah. following the jupiter principle with it and actually one of the big breakthrough moments for me was around jupiter's nodes and the realization that alan turing whose mental code-breaking yes. skills cracked the Enigma Code in the Second World War, had his Mercury at 13 Cancer on that north node wow. of Jupiter. And you can trace every big breakthrough in his life from personal losses to his eventual imprisonment and suicide, but also the breakthroughs around the code-breaking all have transits, conjunct or square or opposite at that point. Mm. And it was really remarkable. It was a totally electric, like, you know, solo research on the kitchen table with the laptop moment, you know, going, and the biography of Alan Turing flicking through charts. And it was like, oh, my God, it was like discovering, you know, my little version of discovering penicillin or something way less useful to the world, but still something for me. Just a little know? more abstract. Yeah, exactly. but still pivotal. But I still enjoyed it. I felt like I'm having, I'm the only person so far in history to have seen this and that it works like this. It was a fun moment. And then oh, I, I sat on that for, for a good few years and I worked with the researchers so that we could, we could make sure we created enough evidence to not just, you know, it'd be Mark's hippy dippy intuition telling people to, you know, look at these things. I wanted it to be substantive. Well, there's yeah. great hope. We we do have a break coming up, but this is so powerful. And I'm thinking there is hope even for this United States. I say that to get past some of it. Everybody has their shadow side, and we certainly have plenty here in this country because the sun is at 13 degrees cancer. And the rising, depending on what chart you use, if it's a sibling, sibling chart, is uh, Sagittarius. So that north node would hopefully break through to see the commonality of our 
human mankind. And I know, Dr. Ted, you have thoughts too. Shall we take a break and then we'll come right back? I'm with good. I'm with Mark Jones of the UK and Dr. Laura Ted. And uh, we'll be right back. Thank you. take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Sagittarius, ruled by the largest of all planets, Jupiter, the Roman god, or Zeus by the ancient Greeks. By leaving a cycle based on power and powerlessness of life and death and regeneration involving committed relationships, Sagittarius energy finds meaning for an expanded perspective and potential for actualization in their search for truth. As a mutable fire sign depicted by the centaur, Sagittarius is adventurous and seeks the beyond. Sagittarius travels to far places, physically and mentally, to find the truths of life. This is Martha Norwalk, every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m. Thanks in part to Natasha Venter at angelicclarifications.com, we cover the world of animals. This week, it's best. Neuroenergetic balancing, Rasmussen reset, and energy code Sunday. Dr. Nels Rasmussen and Sister Linda will join us in the studio. Together, they can take your calls and help you or your animal friends with behavioral, emotional, or physical problems. Plan to call in Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Talk Cosmos is celebrating its sixth season and has a special gift for everyone listening to the show. A free mini transit reading from your natal chart. This reading can help you discover your life path forward and make you aware of current opportunities and challenges. Talk Cosmos Kaleidoscope Visions panel invites you to participate in this learning experience and to interact with the astrologers reading your chart in 2023 during the monthly Kaleidoscope Visions show. Schedule your mini transit reading and find more information about the panel at TalkCosmos.com. We look forward to connecting with you for a free natal chart mini transit reading during the monthly Kaleidoscope Visions show at 1 p.m. Pacific on Talk Cosmos. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. Hi, we're back again. In fact, I was going to pull up, uh, if I can go backwards, one more. There we are, Dr. Tab. Laura. So, we're back again, December 4th, and it's Plant Buzz with Dr. Laura Tad, Mark Jones, and myself. And we're talking about Jupiter, the great, the largest planet, could fit us all in there. 
in the solar system and the king of gods and life. So, but taking a moment here, uh, Laura, do you have something coming up that you want to tell people about? Um, I do, and I, it won't be, you don't have it yet. I'll get you the link. Um, so in the end of February, February 26th through March 4th, I and a dear friend of mine, um, I'll be, and she's got a couple other people, will be hosting a um, retreat for Awakening the Goddess um, retreat in Nicaragua. Um, and so I can get you that information. It'll be a week-long retreat of some astrology and body work and breath work and massage and all kinds of different modalities of connecting with the self um, on the beach in Nicaragua, right next to a turtle sanctuary. So you get Ooh, to see the mama turtles. What month? Um, nice. End of February 26th through March 4th. Okay. And of course, people could go to your website. And it's on my, yeah. Connect yeah and I'll yeah. get you some links for that. So that's the next thing. Okay. Well, Nicaragua. And, and Mark. You, get to, you fly into Costa Rica and then just drive across the border because it's seven miles from the Costa Rican airport. So it's easier to fly into I'm Costa sure Rica. it's all incorporated into a wonderful ex yeah. learning experience. Hi, and Mark. And what would you have that you would like to share? Well, in two weeks' time for NCGR San Diego, I'm giving a talk, Jupiter, how vision, your vision shapes your reality. So, I mean, that seems mm. perfect, doesn't it, really? In the short term, that's the short term. And then just have a look at markjonesastrology.com. There's loads of free stuff, loads of, you know, an advanced blog talking about all these different things and also courses on counseling skills for astrologers course, a transformational astrology foundation course and lots of different talks and various things. And I'm also designing with my researcher at the moment a reimagining of the 12 archetypes of astrology as a course. But that won't be released until the summer of next year until at the earliest. But um, come and join me in two weeks in the NCGR San Diego for more Jupiter, if you can handle well, it. And I'll have slides and I'll talk through my vision of what I think astrology is offering and what its sense of meaning is in the world. And I will try to show that. Um, both big picture in terms of why we why why we study astrology and other, also try and show it pragmatically in charts, but obviously in a short format. You know, there's some limitation to that because I would say to people, if you're you're thinking like, how does the chart actually work? That does take a while to get good at. And I found the thing that's helped me the most recently working with my researcher is to just look at a lot of different charts of things that you know quite well that you've read a biography of or you know something historically about the individual or you know the person because you're working with them as a client you know it's the correspondence of life information with the symbolism of the chart is that really builds the picture of experience over time uh, so give yourself a break if you're <clears throat> you know concerned about your own chart and avoid here's my great jupiterian message to everyone avoid cosmic paranoia astrology can create cosmic paranoia sometimes it can make you worried about your chart it can make you worried about the in quotes bad aspects and I say to you, life's full of ups and downs, isn't it? You know, that's just the deal, whether whether astrology reflected that or not. We all know that life isn't just great all the time. So charts have challenges in them. Well, and that's all part of their great gift, isn't it? That's part of their great gift that they could show you what those challenges might mean and therefore help you undertake that challenge in a more meaningful way. So I say avoid cosmic paranoia. <laughs> and focus instead on the meaningful engagement with the challenge as part of your own healing path and a part of your own path of meaning. Yeah. So we can't hear you. You're muted somehow. 
Um, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm all about with the Saj rising. I'm all about the, personally, I'm all about the reframe of like, how can you look at this square and not say, oh, how do I, that I don't, and, and that paranoia that like a lot of a clients or that piece of like a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, right? Yes, it like, is. Your squares are bad. And then they see, oh, I've got, you know. Well, Saturn. Saturn's bad. Saturn itself yeah. is bad or something. I mean, this just doesn't make yeah. any sense. I mean, how could Jupiter function without the ballast of Saturn, the expansive vision, and then the structure to bring the vision into play? The demonizing archetypes will only hurt society. It will only hurt individuals and hurt the collective. Um, you know, it's like being a parent. Demonizing Saturn is like being a parent that never tells your child off. You know, despite the fact that they're there with a sharp knife, you know, messing around, you never stop them. I mean, that would be insane, wouldn't it? Be cruel to them. You know, you, you have to, boundaries are so meaningful to love, really. Yeah. And the cliche, I am so glad to hear this whole idea of translating through the cliches of astrology. That's one reason I really based the premise of talk cosmos was because people get caught up with the negativities and it yes. is the, the versus them thing to substantiate it really the insecurity of your own self or the misunderstanding of your own self. You don't see or understand. And I think to some extent for my personal experience, <laughs> like when you only give attention to the negative potential of a signature or a man, that is more likely to be what manifests. Right, that or mm, that, that yeah. I was just because well, you're creating a filter, aren't you, over yeah. your reality that you're then putting energy into by putting up that filter. Yeah, like I was just working with a client yesterday who's got transiting Saturn conjunct their moon, and it's like, well, yeah, that can be hard, and sometimes containment around emotion is a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's right? true. You like, can find the structure, maybe find the theme of it, find the pinpoints. I mean, you really want to think about, you know, the studs and all that and whatnot. If you get right down to the studs and then you can replumb the whole thing, the story of it. I'm but it's also you're failing yourself if you think that growth is only going to happen positively. Mm. We have to be realistic about humans, right? Humans have this great talent for turning good things into awful things in many ways. I mean, that's kind of what we do. We, humans can be very destructive and growth often happens when we realize and take responsibility for the damaging things we've done in life. I mean, that's a fundamental Saturn lesson, isn't it? Which we then reflect on Jupiter and try in our integrity and our moral promise to ourselves to overcome where we made mistakes, if you like. Without the capacity to own the mistakes, without the capacity to take self-responsibility mm. for challenge, um, what's the point of it all? So the idea that you can grow profoundly without accepting challenge or without accepting suffering is, it seems silly to me. It seems to miss out on something. Some of the most powerful periods of my life have been supposedly challenging transits. You know, P Pluto to Moon Venus involved me moving from a city to the country and starting a family. Yeah, that's challenging. Believe me, when you're woken three times in the night with a little one and then up really early with them, it's challenging, all right, but it's incredibly meaningful. You know, it's saturated with this love and purpose that's undeniable. Okay, I had to become very disciplined. You know, I had to really change something about myself. But the idea that it's somehow just bad because it's Pluto to moon or Saturn to moon yes. is just a kind of naivete to me. And it's, it's doing a disservice to life and yourself. Um 
the, the both Pluto and Saturn bring enormous gifts, you know, maturation in the case of Saturn and psychological depth and richness in the case of Pluto. Without that, you know, human life doesn't make a lot of sense in a yeah. way. Yes. And, and I think that the, it goes both ways, right? Because with Jupiter, sometimes the danger is that so optimistic it's not realistic, right? Can yes. it be this sort of exaggerated Jupiter? And so like reining that in, right? And I think that could be some of that with the Aries of like so optimistic, right? I use an analogy with a, I worked with a young boy doing a chart and explained to him he could be like Tigger. And it got him into trouble explaining his Sag moon to him. And I'm thinking. And so that it's word like Saturn uh, that's in its extreme, right? Too constrictive, too constrained. Jupiter's too permissive, right? And so trying to find, hold that tension as we have this shift happening, that that's <clears throat> why historically, might be we're seeing probably like that history of war or violence is, people's my way is the only way Aries exactly. in in its extreme. Mm. Well, that's the one extreme. And then even on the other social utopianism, this, this idea that there is a one vision that everyone should follow starts to become very dangerous, doesn't it? There's a coercive element in Jupiter and Sagittarius too, like religious conversion or political ideological conversion. And then the suffering of the world becomes the excuse for the extreme measures. And we, we've seen that explored haven't we over the last few years that issue of how much should society respond to certain threats and how many extreme measures should be deployed and there are countries still maximizing that approach in the world right now it's clearly a very interesting territory mm -hmm. because yeah vision isn't always good e even when vision is good the way people act on it isn't always very sober if you unhinge jupiter from the meaning of a saturn the danger is ideological possession, you know, the possession by an archetype in Jungian terms, or instead of a grounded sense of relating your vision to some kind of meaningful tradition, you know, the visions of other people, Saturn, the accumulated structures of tradition, yeah. And really, I reminded that it's the cardinal square. You know, when yes. you were saying first about card um, accountability, that yes. Saturn is so involved. And then Aries, pardon my throat here, <clears throat> is a relationship sign. So Libra is going to be of such integrity to keep us accountable. Yes. And that is, that's, it's just astounding how when we look at that um, cross of those cardinal signs, they each bring in a focus through a constructive square, as we say, or, or reality through opposite awareness. Well, because how would we build? How would we build anything meaningful in the world, right? Without challenge. I mean, you. I'm sure. Just like, have you done like a you know, remodel on your house? I mean, how challenging is that? Just to you know have to sleep in a different part of the house because you're doing the bedroom up or the ensuite or just whatever. I mean, everything on day to day is challenging. Yeah. So why yes. would bigger things not be challenging? What I worry about is more this sort of fantasy world that some sometimes seems to get created where we think that we shouldn't have to have challenges, you know, like uh, this yes. world where, you know, don't, don't suffer. You're American or you're European. Here's some Prozac mm -hmm. or here's some benzodiazepine or whatever, you know, this, this sort of fantasy, which actually robs people of the meaning of their suffering. Yeah. Actually yeah. suffering can be terribly meaningful. It can lead people closer, you know, failed relationships, see people ruminate on why they failed or, um, 
you know, overworking and then missing out on family life leads people to change later in life and change their values. If you if you just try and soften all of that suffering, you remove the soulful, as it were, yeah. lessons from a Jupiter perspective within within yeah. it. As kind a, of like a home. Well, I, I always thought about that with like, you know, from a statistical perspective, at least in this country, they talk about more than, you know, 50% of Americans have been clinically depressed at some point in their life. And it's like, well, if that's the case, then it's actually a normal state of being. Yes. Right. Mm. If everyone has ex- could at some point in their life been diagnosed as clinically depressed, it's actually a part of life as opposed to. So, but yeah, to your, what you're point. saying, it's like that there's something to learn from that because everybody experiences it to some degree at some point. Lean into and that. It, and what's the point of yeah. where's the growth? Where's the edge of that? There's real power in living into that and coming through the other side. Reminds me of, well, I was going to say of the mythology back to Persephone, you know, going down to the depths or Inanna of her stripping. And yeah. Well, because Inanna and and Persephone, I agree. And I, um, there was an Eastern European psychiatrist called Casimir Dabrowski who wrote a book called Positive Disintegration. And he argued fundamentally that these anxieties or the, these depressions accompany major change. They're not a neurotic byproduct. It's not like, you know, go to your therapist and it's like, I'm going through a major change, but here's this lame part of me that needs help. You know, he argued that it was fundamental to major transformation because of our attachment to familiarity and the conditioning worlds in which we live, which form our embedded security so in a sense you would always experience anxiety and depression when you go through a deeper life transformation the tragedy of the modern world is that in attempting to um, heal or help too rapidly and remove suffering without appreciating the meaning we might actually be denying people the transformative possibility afforded by it we might be trying to as it were rush them out of the suffering to go back to a life with less meaning than help them through it to a life perhaps with more meaning. And that's, I think, where certain forms of more progressive therapy and, and hopefully from my point of view, a therapeutic vision of astrology and astrology of, that's, that's founded in a vision of the soul's you know, potential and growth and the, the power of people's love effectively to shape their lives. Um, could really help people um yeah i couldn't agree more and i why are these stories so rich why is the persephone or inanna story so rich sue because because we all know that feeling of being taken Mm -hmm. taken down you know yeah i'm thinking going backwards and forwards here because we have about five minutes and that is the spirit that we started with i know that we're talking about the the gift of Jupiter and understanding in a new personalized assemblance, you could say of our own uh, connection with our spiritual reality, which relates totally to the fact that we've short shrift Saturn by not thinking of it as, as, as spiritual, which is changing, I believe. And also remembering that, if we look at the mythology that Zeus, or, or which is a Greek, Jupiter, his buddy is Mercury or Hermes, which just like in our planet Buzz is 
as above, so below, as below, so above, as without, so within, as within, so without. And it is that dynamics, which you, Mark, brought up about the whole reflection. And, and I know, Laura, you too, about the energies we perceive that are intangible in some ways, except from our experience. And I think if people could start trusting and learning, which is why we're talking to show that that there are these ideologies. Well, and maybe that can be part of this potentially, and it's a short, right? It just sort of flies through Aries. Um, but in these six months or so that it'll be in Aries, that in that individual cent air, archetype of Aries, it's very much about, right, I am, Aries key word is like, so people's own relationship with that for themselves, right? That from my experience, nothing convinces somebody of a spiritual perspective, like their own lived experience. You could talk yeah. to your blue in the face, give them all the theory in the world, all the, but until they have their own living, that's what clicks. And so potentially that could be part of, these next few months of that individualized relationship with source, with spirit, with a spiritual perspective that isn't necessarily religiosity, but some sort of connection with the greater picture that Jupiter can bring in. I mean, it's a brilliant point. And, but it also, it shows the role of the hierophant in the past or the priest, doesn't it? In that we have to be realistic mm -hmm. here and say that a chunk of people do not have that experience in a clear enough way for them to trust. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, it, you know, we perhaps all three of us here have, have had some kind of experience like that. Certainly, I've had experiences so shockingly real that they were life changing and they took me years to, frankly, reorientate to reality. So, but I'm aware that lots of people don't, um, or they, or the, if they did have them, they can't trust them. And that's a game changer because people in the past used to rely on an intermediary, didn't they? A priest or a conduit, if they bothered at all. And the danger is we have an increasingly materialist world. We have the failure of the priesthood, if you like, to engage those people. So increasingly those people that have not found some profound inner path are increasingly lost to what? A kind of, you know, the modern technological consumerist revolution, you know? meta and TikTok and shopping malls and you know um, it doesn't it's not enough is it that's not enough you can't make sense of human suffering you can't make sense of being alive from just the modern technological world so yeah i think the best of us ast as astrologers we can help some of those people that aren't that are lost we can help them see from the symbolism of the planets when they were born you know something beautiful written in the sky literally for their soul development Good. Good point, because I, the word confirmation came to mind. The best answer to a priest of that uh, cultural reality that's been with us since the beginning, you know, there's always been somebody that would understand more about the sky or understand more about what, whatever we're experiencing, but it validates, it confirms, and astrology too has that gift. Often, you know, you get that answer that you knew inside the reality of of, of, of your of your nature, but with guided inspiration, which goes back to we each have our inspired ideas of, um, okay, first to have the courage to go through the dark because there is a light if we can just understand what might be in the way. I mean, it's a complex world. There's no quick 
uh, silver bullet in any way, but there are light beams. There are those shooting stars, like you mentioned in the beginning. And I guess we, if we can be inspired to have some sense of what our vision, if it can cooperate. Well, any last thoughts? <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, what is there to do in a way, um, but be as real as you can, as beautiful as you can, and live life as beautifully and as truthfully as you can until you drop? What else is there to do, I say? Yeah. Thank you. All of you, Dr. Tad, Mark, Joe, go ahead, Mark, Laura. Oh, no, just thanks for, yeah, for joining us, Mark. It was good to see you. Yes. Until again, folks. Thank Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway.